Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium podcast. Uh, today, I am joined by Aparna Verma. Uh, Aparna, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Oh, I should mention my name's Craig. Okay, people know <laughs> that. We can move on. Uh, we're talking today about mythology and history. Um, although you don't know this yet, Aparna, I was, I'm going to say true or feigned, as uh, Tolkien would put it. Uh Um, and its effect on writing, its effect on our consumption of writing, uh, all all that stuff. We're going to talk about the the confluence of uh, kind of historical and mythological, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for, influences on all of us. But before I do, of course, I need to encourage everybody to go to thelegendarium.com where you can check out past episodes. There's the calendar for upcoming episodes if you want to read along with what we're doing. Um, And there's also links to the Patreon page. Please support the show. I'm poor. And then also the uh, Discord server where you can join in the conversation. Uh, And then also, if you go to the uh show notes that's what that thing's called i've only been doing this for 15 years so you know it's hard to remember the word show notes (laughs) go to the show notes check out the link to aparna's website uh, where you can get the buy links and the information all about the book that we'll talk about later in this episode the phoenix king Uh, so aparna let's talk mythology history Let's get and into its effect it. on us. Yeah, let's get into it. I love this. Let's topic. start with let's start with your background, mm-hmm. um, so that we know where you're coming from. People already know where I'm coming from. I'm a white guy from Utah. Grew up, <laughs> you know, generations long American. So people know where I'm coming from. Where are you yeah. coming from? Yeah. Well, um, I was born in India, so I was born in a little, small, sleepy desert village called Badra in Rajasthan, which is the desert state of India. And when I was two years old, I immigrated to the United States. So most of my life, I've grown up in the States, but I have you know, always gone back to India to visit. And we would go during like the sweltering summer. So we would go for three months, a pop during monsoon season. <laughs> it was quite the ride as a kid. Um, but it was, I think it was so influential in um, my sense of identity, my sense of storytelling too, because um, learning about the mythology and the history of surrounding the Indian subcontinent um, has really influenced my own writing and also just my general interests. So which is why when you mentioned this topic, I was like, yes, I can talk about Indian mythology, but also all the ways that Indian mythology has kind of like traveled through the Silk Road and how it's like Mm. butted up against like other myths, like Greek mythology. So very excited. So we have a we have a choice. There's a fork in the road. And as the poet says, we can only go one direction, right? Uh, No, no, that's not true. We'll come back and we'll take the other fork in a bit. But the question is, do we talk about the personal effect that it has on you individually or us individually as readers and writers? uh, Or do we talk about the the greater uh, kind of cultural and uh, global effect of these myths and and whatnot bumping up against each other, as you say? let's let's go personal first okay uh and then maybe we'll zoom out do some thirty thousand foot view Mm -hmm. so you emigrated when you were two years old Mm -hmm. first of all do you have any memories do you you have any clear images or memories from living there when you were that little no not at all i I have secondhand memories you know like from my parents yeah telling you what you were like or what you did when you were really little Mm -hmm. Uh, so a lot of this was absorbed 
uh, as you were living in America through your family, I mm -hmm. assume, mostly okay. through your family. Uh, did you also, did you read, watch, listen to media from back home as you were growing up? Or did you do a lot of American stuff? No. I, and that's, I, as a kid, I would miss all the Star Wars references. I would miss all, like, <laughs> just, I was raised on, like, old Indian cinema, like, you know, um, specifically, like, my parents would show me the old Amitabh Bachchan, like, movies, like, the young, the angry young man movies, or um, I grew up very much on, like, 90s Bollywood with Shah Rukh mm. Khan, um, which is why I feel like I'm a romantic at heart, because I grew up on his movies. Um so it, all like the cultural tidbits that my friends would know in school, they knew all like the pop stars, the singers. I didn't know anyone. Like I knew the Indian side. I could tell you everything about the Indian singers and the Indian film filmmakers, the artists, some of the books. But I, I couldn't really tell you about the American side. I had to play a lot of catch up and I was bullied a lot for it too. <laughs> because I didn't know who the Beatles were, you know? And I was like, but I know who Latoya is from the nature. And I was just like, I, you know, so that was me as a kid. I, when I when I was a kid, not that this has anything to do with mythology, unless you're just talking about general cultural yeah. atmosphere. Uh, I came across oldies music when I was a kid in the 90s. So it had been like 94, 95, something mm -hmm. like that. And I came across the old like jukebox oldies radio right. station and was a smitten kitten. Uh, and so I just absorbed that stuff for years, you know, three, yeah. four, five years. And so when I got to junior high, <laughs> I was bullied as well because yeah. I'm like, what's NSYNC? What do you, uh, you know, who is this Britney Spears you speak <laughs> no, of? I'm no, like, no. you want me to tell you chapter and verse about the who? bring yeah. it on or like Elvis Presley. Okay. I'm, I gotcha. Anyway. Yeah. We're uh, old souls as kids. That's right. You know what? <laughs> that's right. Good. We've already formed our connection. So, <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So you grew up mostly doing Indian stuff, uh, media wise. Mm -hmm. How then did that affect you as you started to incorporate the stuff that your peers were making fun of you over and you're like, oh, okay, I guess I better, listen to this music or watch yeah. this movie or something how how did that go for you for me it was like doing it in secret <laughs> because i didn't want my friends to know oh i'm playing catch up like i would i remember very clearly in like elementary school this one girl asked me to name the beatles songs and i was like I don't know. And I was ripped apart because I didn't know any of their songs. I remember the next, like the next night I would, like, I looked up, I, you know, I was looking, I was like, what are like, you know, and I, I felt like the next day one day I was like, ask me again, you know, like, what are the songs? And so, but I had to do it kind of like in secret. Like I felt so embarrassed. Um, and I think as, especially as an immigrant kid, you grow up, at least for me, I grew up with this sense of embarrassment of my heritage. And mm. I think this is what the kids would call a canon event <laughs> based off of the Spider-Man movie. Um, oh, I, yeah. I, it, the new one? The new one. It was a canon event. Uh, I haven't you, seen it yet. So. Oh, no. Okay. Well, you I know. I know. Um, it was a canon event for me. And I think for a lot of other like young brown immigrant women of like trying to distance yourself from your heritage because that's what led to you being bullied. 
Um, Like I would bring Indian food to school as my pack lunch and the kids would like shrivel their nose. Like, what is that smell? And I was like, (laughs) I bet you love Indian food now. I I met you today and you would say, oh, I love chicken tikka masala. And I was like, you're pronouncing it wrong, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I think like as I grew up, I understood that my heritage was my superpower, but I took a lot of relearning and a lot Mm. of like forgiveness of self self forgiveness i guess um to you know really come to terms of not being embarrassed of my culture but really celebrating it and by embarrassed it was like the little things like you know people i would tell my mom's like don't give me indian food anymore give me american food Mm. she's like american food sucks and i'm like yeah it does but still like i still i yeah i have to do it (laughs) i I, tear me apart yeah it's i'm sure that this is you're not the only one to go through this experience right and it's not just brown immigrant women either i dated a girl in high school who had moved from the uk Mm -hmm. when she was you know 10 11 12 something like that she had this thick british accent and got bullied into oblivion and so she got rid of her accent um and she still doesn't have it to this day it just you know kind of breaks my heart i'm like oh that's so sad that you had you you felt like you had to do that Um, but you know it does those experiences do shape who we are for better or worse um and and i'm sure that it was uh that that it did have some effect that you were able to take advantage of as you moved into your artistic endeavors right yeah so without getting too far into your book, which we do want to talk about, as you started writing, um, you know, you got into it's the Phoenix King, you know, originally, like I said, it was uh, the boy with fire originally self published with that title. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel like you were trying to lean heavily toward your Indian heritage and lean into that kind of cultural uh, water? you know, to swim in, so to speak? Or do you feel like you wanted to marry the two, uh, your Western and Eastern backgrounds? How did you approach that? Yeah, when writing the book, I it was I first started writing it um, back. I, well, I would say I've had this idea for the book for like over 13 years. And when it first came into my mind, it was a very simple sentence of a thing, you know, it very it grew and it matured as I grew and matured, I think. And and I think those are the stories that are really special to you because you kind of grew up along with them. And I looked back at some of the original manuscripts. I think it was first called The Assassin, and then it was called The Boy With Fire, and then it was called The Phoenix King. Um, And I could just see the growth where it was, I became less and less Western in my storytelling, not only the structures, but also like they're, like the way the characters talk, the way they dressed, um, some of the religious systems in the book um, started to transform and I think became more true to myself. Um, I think like it, it's really interesting when I look back at those older manuscripts to see the growth of myself of really understanding who I am and where I come from and coming to celebrate that. You know, like I said before, you know, I think like when you're an immigrant kid, you have to live, you you quickly learn how to survive. And sadly, that means veering away from the things that make you different, which is your heritage. But as you grow older and as you get, you identify, you have a better sense of self, 
have a better mm. sense of self-worth and self-confidence. I became to really understand and value my cultural heritage. Like I would revisit the Ramayana or the Mahabharata um, because I just love those stories and I grew up on them. Um, but I never really um, read them critically. You know, like when I read, my mom would tell me those stories growing up as a kid, but I wouldn't really... And to me, there was just like big epic tales of like heroes and goddesses. But when I started to reread them as in high school and as an adult, I realized just how much beauty and philosophy were in those stories. But also it, it reminded me of why I wanted to be a storyteller. So break that down for me, um, being a storyteller versus, yeah. you know, versus being a writer versus being yeah. an author. I, I don't know uh, quite yeah. what to put it against, but yeah. a storyteller is, um, it's not something that every writer, uh, not a word that every writer uses consciously, yeah. Yeah. Uh, even though that's what they all are, right? Yeah. But uh, yeah, what, what do you mean when you say, okay, so I wanna be a storyteller? Why do you use that word? I think um, authors and writers, that's, you know, writing has is more of like, I would say, modern invention with like, you know, the type form and printing and the print machines, like when printing press came to be like, that's when we saw writers, you know, mm. um, we and that's when we got more authors, but storytellers are ancient. Storytellers have been since the beginning of time, or else how do we know these epic tales, these religious books? Um, they're from storytellers. Remember back back way back in the day, oral storytelling was the way people uh, transmitted information. That's how they held on to their heritage, held on to who they were. And so to me, a storyteller is more truthful in who I am because I explore storytelling, not just in the print form, but I've also done audio storytelling, done podcasting before. I've done video storytelling. I've done um, mixed media. And so I think a storyteller is kind of touches into that ancient, just, I would say that ancient instinct that we all have, and they just learn to fine tune it over time. Um, and that's why I think storyteller is just more on the nose than an author or writer. Sure, sure. So let's use that then to mm -hmm. this idea of story. Um, yeah. Because with a lot of stories, these are the... It, to go back to my analogy, it's the water we swim in. Mm -hmm. uh, even if you don't, um, you know, you're not reading it in the pages of a book, you just yeah. absorb certain lessons and whatnot. So, like, you know, uh, you don't have to grow up as a religious kid in the Western tradition to just kind of pick up who David and Goliath were. Yeah. You know, you never read the Bible, but you know who they are and you kind of yeah. got the bones of the story, right? It's that these stories are just swirling all around us. I have a two-part question for you, uh -huh. zooming out a little bit. Are there any Indian stories that you know of that may have had a bit of a, a, a sly effect on Western culture that we might not even realize? Uh, and the second part of the question is, if not, or even if so, yeah. <laughs> are there any that you wish did? You're like, oh, you, everybody oh. should know this. It was as soon as you said that question, I was like, hello, the Mahabharata. Like, it's right. one of the oldest epics. Like, you know, some people would say, like, it's the the original frame story, where it's just like stories within stories within stories. Um, and that's like the Wheel of Time takes that, you know? Um, mm. And I think Robert Jordan talks about 
uh, the Mahabharata and like in an interview about how he was the cyclical nature of things, dhar dharma and um, karma and all those like little notes that really influence the Mahabharata is like parts of things that he drew from. I think like one of your uh, recent episodes, someone talked about the Lord of Light, like that's very much ripping off of uh, influenced by Hinduism, right? Yeah. Uh, I think what, what Name of the Wind takes some of those storytelling techniques as well, um, where it's like frame narratives. And I think what's so beautiful about storytelling is that it's 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 always spreads forth, even if it's not conscious. Like you just said, like you may not be a religious kid in the West reading the Bible, but you know who David and Goliath is. And that's what I think with these storytelling structures, especially during like, you know ancient India with the Silk Road and and trade a lot of these stories started to mix in with other cultures but also the techniques would go off and people would like ancient mythologists look at like how the odyssey and the mahabharata have like similar narratives and similar story structures at some points of their of their tales which i think is like the direct could be a direct result of the trade and the um the, you know, the influence of ideas that were going around during that time. And we can trace it all the way back to here in some of our older tales and some of the books that we're publishing today. Do you, do you, this is a, a weird question. Yeah. I'm going to back into this very, very carefully. Okay. <laughs> um, but the thought occurred to me, you know, you're talking about the influence going back thousands of years. Yeah. Cultures have, have come together and influenced each other and, um, is there any danger as the world becomes more globally interconnected mm -hmm. of, of all of these stories and whatnot, just kind of, uh, you know, melting pot together and, you know, coming together and forming just a, a giant uh, yeah. soup <laughs> together? Right. Uh, do we, do we run the risk of losing some of the kind of differences between East and West yeah. and, and you know, all these different cultures. Um, or is that not something we should worry about? Hey, you know, let's throw it all in the pot and be one happy human family or, you know, yeah. something like that. I'm not sure where to go with this. You know, it's a funny question. You say that because I feel like that's been happening since ancient times, you know, yeah. um, I I'm forgetting the name of this source, but it was um, something that Shannon Chakraborty talked about. Uh, when she was researching Amina al-Sarafi, like her latest um, sea pirating adventure book. And she uh, posted about how one of the, the sources that she was talking about, uh, looking at this, um, talked about um, Ravan and um, Sita, which is from the Ramayana, but in their context. And you're like, wait, I know this is from the Indian source, but it's happening here in this Muslim narrative. And so mm. this has been happening for all of time. I think in modern, in the modern world, we're becoming more conscious, I think, of the roots of where the storytelling comes from. And I think being more protective of them than we, than mm. say before. So there's a lot of talk about, you know, if you, uh, are like even with white writer, if you're a white writer, should you be able to write about Greek myths? Are you taking away from people who are actually Greek, Greek writers who want to talk about their culture, but a lot of the spaces in publishing have already been taken by the likes of say like Madeline Miller. Um, 
There's also questions of like marginalized identities being represented properly um, by someone who's not part of that marginalized identity. I think those are where we start to feel a little bit of that friction. But personally, I believe that as you know, writers, as storytellers, one of the best things about stories are the, their universality, right? Um, I can identify with the Odyssey. I can identify with, um, even though I'm not a mother, the mother in Shannon Chakraborty's like book, Amina al-Sarafi. And, and that's what makes us human. That's what makes storytelling and books and tales so beautiful. And so I always encourage writers and storytellers who start to endeavor into like different roots and different cultures to really do their research and ask themselves, am I the right person to tell this story? And if so, how can you do it in a way that's honest and respectful? I think mm. that's at the end of the day, you want to be respectful of the culture that you're drawing from. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I think that's, that's, oh, sorry. Go, no, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. I, that, uh, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's totally fair. Uh, you do want to do it respectfully. And sometimes though, it's, it's, um, Hey, I feel like there's this story that needs to be told and I, I don't want to just wait around for somebody to do it. And, you know, so it's uh, how do you approach it? Mm -hmm. um, as you say, respectfully, that's uh, it's going to be a, a very important question for somebody approaching somebody else's culture. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like so much uh, so much else when it comes to art. It's um, it's not whether you should do it it's how well can you do it right mm -hmm. so if it, we'll forgive a multitude of uh perceived sins if the product is respectful well told a great story you know and then it's like ah who cares it was amazing yeah <laughs> so yeah. uh yeah okay let's zoom back in and talk about your book specifically mm -hmm. and how how you consciously approached this story. So mm -hmm. I, in fact, I'm doing this a little earlier than I normally would, but I'm going to ask you for the elevator pitch on your book uh, so that we know kind of the bones of the story that you're telling so that we can, uh, you know, kind of talk about this in, uh, in terms that we'll understand. So tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah. So the Phoenix King is a Indian inspired sci-fi fantasy. So think about like a futuristic desert kingdom still influenced by ancient traditions and customs. Um, if it's a multi-POV book and it's told through the narratives of um, an ex-assassin, an heir, and a tyrant's struggle for power when a vengeful god reawakens and threatens to send a prophet who will take back their kingdom and burn down all the sinners. So it draws a lot, from, like it feels epic. and That's awesome. Thank you. It, it's it, What I love about it is that it, I love genre bending. I love stories where I see a little bit of both. And I love how with SFF, you have both sci-fi and fantasy. And it really blends, like, you know, you'll see Alina riding on a cruiser with uh, with a pulse gun. But then you'll also see her in, like, the uh, the game field with her sling sword doing fire bending. So, like, you have a little bit of, mm. of both, which I think is, like, really how I see... India, I think like there's when I would go back to India and, and visit India, I was always appalled and mesmerized of how the past was right, like shoulder to shoulder 
with modernity. So mm. like, say if I went to Delhi, which is like the capital city, I would see old monuments right next to like high rise, you know, like next to like these beautiful cars or like people dressed really well in like a Western fashion. And you're just like, wait, what's going, you know, you're like, what is going on here? Um, and I think it, it, it just shows something that's like very truthful for all of us, I think, no matter the culture, no matter the times, is that there's always been a blend of the future and the past in our present moment. Yeah. Um, so it only made sense to me if I was writing a book that very clearly showed that because no matter how much we advance, we're still looking back to our roots, our traditions and our culture and religion to kind of guide us forward. It's as you're giving the description, um, it kind of ties in with what you were saying earlier, where some stories are simply universal or the way that we conceive of the world around us. And so if you just swap out a polytheistic religion for a monotheistic religion, and you said, you said, um, you know, the, the gods, uh, angry, vengeful gods are going to send a prophet to retake mm -hmm. this or that city. It's yeah. like, oh, okay. You mean the old Testament? Yeah. Where, you know, God gets ticked off and says, all right, I'm going to send a prophet and he's going to yeah. destroy the city. It's, it's so, <laughs> so it's remarkable as you're giving your thing where I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm on firmer footing than I thought yeah. Uh, yeah. going into a story like this. And what's so interesting is like going back, these ancient stories telling structures from our religious texts are informing how we look at stories today, right? Like you were just talking about the Old Testament structure where, you know, God gets pissed off and he sends off, you know, um, a way to, you know, make the sinners pay that that's something that I feel like is a narrative throughout different cultures and different religions and not just monotheist religions and Hinduism as well. We have mm. a thing called um, we have uh, we call a yuga yug or like time eras um, and we um, live, I, I think what we would call the Kali Yuga which means like it's this time of debauchery um, um, and we need to awaken um, and understand the light or else it, it, things will get worse from here, which is a very like apocalyptic, similar to the Bible in a way. Oh, uh, yes. Sodom and right? Gomorrah and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and so you're just like, wait, how are these two like relating? But I think it's all because, you know, borders are a lot more, are a lot thinner uh, and blurry than we think, especially when it comes to different cultures. I, th I think we like to think that they're separate, but cultures yeah. and religions have been talking to each other for a millennium. So it only makes sense that stories and how we perceive the world now takes from a little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, as I was reading Palace of Illusions with mm -hmm. Vaishnavi Patel. Uh, go check out that episode, everybody. It was excellent. I really enjoyed that conversation. But as I was reading it, and I, I think I mentioned this to her, I kept feeling like I don't understand the specifics. Like I, these names are yeah. new to me. Most of them are new to me. Uh, the the specifics of how they talk and interact with each other, mm -hmm. that's all new. But the foundations felt familiar enough that I was drawn through the story. Um, it, it didn't feel so, you know, alien as, as yeah. you might think. Like, yeah. oh, I didn't grow up knowing anything about Indian culture. Well, this is a an entry point, right? The Palace yeah. of Illusions was a great entry point for me to start thinking about some of these old myths yeah. and, and legends and whatnot. Do you try to incorporate stuff in a way to seed curiosity about myths Ooh. and history? 
uh, or is that if that happens, is that accidental in your work? I feel like that would be more so accidental because mm. I don't think my my book is like a history lesson or a mythology <laughs> sure. like textbook. It's like here, here's what Indian mythology is all about, you know. Um, <laughs> I think if, like you were saying, like if you are part of the Indian diaspora or like from the culture, you'll pick up on the little tidbits. Like you'll get like a little bit more of the cultural significance. Mm. But even if you aren't familiar, it might, it might, that's personal, right? Like you might learn more about um, Makali or Durgama, which are like the two goddesses um, that inspired some of the world building, the idea of the Phoenix, and also Alina and Firma's characters in the book. Um, if you fell in love with their characters and if you fell in love with like the, the world building, you might want to learn more about Kalima and Durgama um, and understand their origin stories and what they stand for. Um, which, you know, like when I was researching the book, it, it's funny you, you were bringing up earlier, you know, when someone does it well, bring it from another culture, like we don't like it's OK, like, you know, but <laughs> I, I, I found like, you know, going back in time, like even like. Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom, or even Zelensky's Lord of War. I knew you were going to bring it up. I was like, oh, I don't think this is good. (laughs) You know, like, time (laughs) out. Like, this is really, like, who let this pass, you know? Um, Because, like, in, like, everyone knows, like, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, like, you know, it's based off of Kalima, like, you know, and her followers, and they're demonized. Um, and And I think it plays into a very Western viewpoint of, Kalima, like, you know, for those of you who don't know, um, Kalima is this warrior goddess of Hinduism and she's uh, dark skinned. She's often shown like having like a, a garland of skulls around her neck with like wide, wide eyes and like a red rolling tongue. So people think that she's more of a demon than, say, a goddess. Right. They think she's destructive mm. and vengeful, which is something that the people in the book think of the phoenix. But as it, as you learn more, and if you just delve a little bit deeper under the surface, you'll learn that Kalima is actually a protector. She's not a demon. She's a protector. And she comes in times when people are in great need. Um, one of her origin stories, and there's so many. And sorry, I'm like geeking out now. No, go for it. <laughs> but one of, one of her, um, her origin stories was that there was this uh, a powerful demon named Ruck the Beach who uh, was taking over and the gods, you know, uh, were, were in trouble. And so they came together and they're like, how are we going to defeat, defeat this guy? Because he had a boon, which meant he could never be killed by, uh, I think, like a man or a monster or a god. He did not mention a woman. That was <laughs> that was his. I'm know. sorry. Is this Aowen all over again? <laughs> exactly right, <laughs> right. So, so it's um. So they came together, and in this uh, origin story, like the gods gave different parts of themselves. So I remember when I was researching, one of the things that really stuck out to me was Agni, who is the god of fire, um, gave his spear. And so in the Phoenix King, there's this part where uh, you know one of the characters wields this, you know spear of fire and that's from specifically like drawing from that myth and they put all those you know parts of the gods together and from it came not another god or a man but a goddess mm. and makali stepped into the battlefield with her thousands of chandikas who were female warriors that inspired the yumi in the phoenix king and they killed rock the demon army but rock the had a trick up his sleeve where whenever a drop of blood dropped 
he would um, like come back to life, like, you know, and so Makali drank his blood so that he would never like, Lovely. you know, never come like never get reborn and so i think like people get like grossed out or like oh my gosh like that's so like demonic but to me and, and this is the way like again like coming from that cultural perspective makali ma means mother and if you think about mothers they will do anything to protect their child they will do anything to protect their family mothers and fathers you know and so for me Mak Ali is this emblem of, of a warrior, of a mother, of a protector who will do anything in a, in a great time of need to protect her family. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I saw the Phoenix um, in, in the Phoenix King. And that's how I see some of the female characters. And you'll see some of that, um, that, that misconception of, of vengefulness in the characters and how they view the some of them will see her see the phoenix as a vengeful goddess others see her more as a protector and that's drawing directly from these different perspectives when it comes to kalima and the the best thing you can do for your story well one of the best things you can do for most stories a little ambiguity yeah Let the reader decide for themselves what they think of it yeah i, I exactly. love that so man there are so many speaking of geeking out tangents that we could go on yeah. just with all that stuff you just said first of all i cannot believe that you're saying that indiana jones and the temple of doom was somehow uh culturally insensitive in oh some way I, I i won't hear of it okay <laughs> uh, yeah right um uh, let's see what was the other oh and how interesting oh, right. that um what's that I was going to say Lord of Light. That was the other uh, example that I put up. Uh, yeah, this Zelazny, not exactly. Well, let's just say he was playing fast and loose right? yeah. with some yeah. of his cultural references. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and yet, Lord of Light, very interesting book. So, mm -hmm. uh, no, the other thing I was going to say is um, you, as you were telling that origin story for Kalima, uh, how interesting that presumably thousands of years ago whenever this story started and you know was told and retold and whatnot we have examples of uh culture taking a look at themselves and saying we overlook women yes <laughs> we and uh you know look at this loophole yeah. that is a very believable one for us to have created by not even thinking that women might have the power to do x y or z uh yeah so again, that's probably a topic for a different day, but uh, <laughs> there's, there's just so much when you get into some of these ancient histories and mythologies um, and try to untangle, you know, what the story would have meant back then. When was this part added, uh, you know, as we, as we throw our own ingredients into the cultural soup every generation, uh, things, things, it, it's, I don't know, I find it endlessly fascinating. I do too. I feel like if, it, it, like when you start going into comparative mythology and you start to pick up like the different threads of different cultures in similar stories, you're like, wait, like this is something like, you know, like even with, I think of like, even with Beowulf, right? Mm. Uh, with Grendel, um, like his mother, it, we also see her as like demonic and monstrous, but she is, very much in grief um with the death of her son um 
who was like cruelly taken away, you know, cruelly killed. And so I think when we when we apply those critical lens, we started to view these ancient stories in a different way. And we realized like, dang, like women have been getting the short end of the stick for like a millennium, you know, like we've always <laughs> we've always have. Yeah. See, I always picture Grendel as um, uh, Angelina Jolie in high heels. <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Just, yeah. Oh, <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of insensitivity toward source material. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wait, OK. All right. You, rewind. I yeah. <laughs> forget I said anything. <laughs> All right. So I want to encourage everybody to go check out the Phoenix King. Uh, my pre-ordered copy is already on the way. Uh, or is, is it out yet? No, when? it comes out August 29th. So that's I what I thought. Yeah, we've got another month. Um, so my pre-ordered copy is coming. I'm very excited about it. And I feel like I need to get my copy of uh, the boy with fire so that i've got like the old version i can be like yeah I was yeah you're first, like even though i wasn't love, yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so the phoenix king like i said i'm gonna put uh, a link to that in the show notes below so people can go check that out um there are lots of places you can buy it and you ought to if this has intrigued you at all aparna any other parting thoughts on your book on any of the topics we've mentioned before we call it for today uh good question um <laughs> i will say this yeah go for it i I love discussions like this and books like um, the Palace of Illusions uh, because it keeps pointing me toward a wider array of cultural knowledge. Um, and and I, I hope other people take advantage of those little pings of curiosity as well. When you come across something that is written well or is just an interesting topic, follow it. You know, mm -hmm. you could watch the next three episodes uh, of your Seinfeld rerun marathon, <laughs> or you could spend an hour and uh, actually read up on some cultural history that you yeah. didn't know about before and uh, learn a little something new. So let those, let those curiosity threads be pulled, right? And yeah. go for it. Learn I more agree. stuff. I agree. I think curiosity is the best thing of just readers and storytellers. You know, we, we, allow that kind of being like your guiding light um, through like different cultural waters. And you're like, when you find something in a book, like even if it's not just Indian mythology inspired, it could be anything mythology inspired. It could even be Norse, like, you know, mm. uh, when I started reading Neil Gaiman um, and read American Gods, like I went down like a rabbit hole of learning who Odin was and Loki and um, it was just fascinating. So I think um, be a learner, you know, be a learner. Um, let your curiosity speak for itself. And then as you're reading and as you're learning, try to find those similar threads in these different cultures. And you realize we're a lot more interconnected than you may have previously thought. Well said, be a learner. Okay, everybody, be a learner. Uh, you can learn more. <laughs> I'm so good at this, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you can learn more by going to the show notes, checking out Aparna's website, and of course, thelegendarium.com. I can speak. Uh, <laughs> this isn't even a long episode, and I'm already, I feel like my tongue is a little heavy now. Uh, but Aparna, thank you so much for joining me today. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. So Aparna has left the studio, so to speak. Um, I want to 
start doing a few more of these uh, uh, kind of uh, post recording thoughts. Um, but I really enjoyed that conversation with her. Uh, but as she and I were talking after the recording, it was, uh, we were kind of both saying, boy, we skated over a lot of stuff. We kind of bounced across the surface of a lot of ideas, but, uh, but didn't really dive very far into, uh, any of them. And so we're talking about doing a future episode and I hope that hope happens sooner rather than later, something like an episode deep diving on comparative mythology and how, uh, you know, how that comes up as sci-fi fantasy readers and how each of the two could affect our uh, experience with the other um, could be a really interesting conversation. So she and I are talking about diving into some deeper stuff with that, uh, which I'm sure a lot of you will enjoy, but hopefully you enjoyed this episode as well. Let me know your thoughts on this. I would be happy to get some feedback on these uh, author interviews that I've been doing, whether it's author shelf or these kind of topical things. So shoot me a note. Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Discord, of course, uh, but you can DM me in all of those places. I'm pretty sure on Twitter, I've turned on the DMs. So uh, it's at Legendarium Pod on Twitter. Uh, I think Instagram is the same thing. I, it might be the Legendarium. Gosh, now I got to look it up. Uh, but on Discord, of course, if you go to the Discord server. Um, it, oh, yeah. Uh, sorry. On Instagram, it's the underscore Legendarium. So find us either of those places or on Discord. The link is at thelegendarium.com and you can join up there. Uh, or heck, you can email me directly with the contact link on the website. So. Uh, like I said, I would love to hear from you guys, get some feedback on these episodes. Let me know how you enjoy them. Um, and uh, boy, I, I, I really like them. I like these kind of 35, 40 minute uh, skating over the surface of something conversations. Because like I said, during the episode, I like that curiosity pulling me toward different subjects. Anyway. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next time.